So, how's everybody doing? Hallelujah. Well, get your uh, page-turning fingers limbered up. And if you don't turn pages and you swipe for your Bible, I remember in the old days, I get to say that now, in the old days, to swipe something means it was a bad thing. But now with electronic Bibles and all those kinds of things that we have, I guess it's a kind of a good thing. Hallelujah. Well, before we get started, why don't we just one more time lift our hands and thank him. Can we do that? Oh, dear Father, thank you. Thank you for the holy written word of God. Thank you, dear Father, for the Holy One, the Greater One, that Holy Spirit that dwells on the inside. Thank you, dear Father, that he has been sent to guide us into all truth, to show us things to come, to bring all things to our remembrance, and to teach us all things. And so, Father, we lean heavily upon the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. You take charge of this service. I have an idea about what I want to say. I've tried to prepare. I've prayed about it. But, Father, if you want to change directions on the spur of the moment, we're just going to follow you. Because where we follow you, things seem to happen a whole lot better. So, Father, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to talk about kingdom stuff today. Now, did you know you're in a kingdom? You know, it's kind of funny. You know, the Bible is an Eastern book. It's not a Western book. And because it's an Eastern book, there's concepts in the Bible that we kind of don't really understand a whole lot. It's, it's kind of new to us or strange to us. And one of the concepts is a kingdom. You know, with a kingdom, this is going to be great revelation to you, there's got to be a king. And he's not president of the kingdom. He's king of the kingdom. You don't get to vote. He's the king. And I figured this out a long time ago. I got this revelation. I hope it'll help somebody. God's a whole lot smarter than us. And he's a whole lot smarter than you. And he's the king. And sometimes I think we, we don't take uh, enough or, or pay enough attention to the fact that he's king of all. He's Lord of all. And, you know, when you first got born again, you know, maybe you said things along this line. I probably did too. You talk about God and you talk about him as being the big guy upstairs. Well, he's a whole lot more than that. And when you realize that he's king and that he's absolute and he's ruling over a kingdom and through his grace and his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and his love, he brought you into that kingdom. It's not a bad kingdom. It's a good kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, as, as I was studying this, and I've, I've studied along these lines before, but um, you realize that there's 150 references to the word of kingdom or the word kingdom in the New Testament. 150. There's probably actually more because probably some of the words 
in the Greek weren't translated into the word kingdom, so there's probably at least 150, if not more. Now, I remember when I was first born again, we were in a church, I was in a church where I met Sue, in, in Michigan, and the pastor there, he gave us this piece of wisdom. He said, if the Bible speaks very little about something, it's not a major doctrine. You know, sometimes we focus on the little things and make them bigger than what they are. But if the Bible talks a lot about something, then it's a major doctrine. Well, I think 150 verses qualifies as a major doctrine. Maybe we ought to learn a little bit more about that kingdom that we happen to be in. And you know, the Bible says, and the New Testament says, we are no longer strangers but fellow citizens in the kingdom of our God. We have citizenship in the kingdom. And with citizenship comes rights and privileges. We'll get into that here in a little bit. But if you have your Bibles handy, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Hallelujah. I said get your fingers ready now. Jesus preached the kingdom. He didn't preach emotions. He didn't preach religion. He preached the kingdom. In Matthew 4.17, it says, From that time Jesus began to preach. He began to preach. He began to preach. This was the beginning of his preaching. And it says, Repent, for the kingdom is at hand. Jump down a little bit further. In verse 23, and it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. He taught first, then he preached. You know the difference between teaching and preaching? Preaching is announcing or proclaiming something. Teaching is explaining something. And sometimes we lean more towards preaching and not enough towards teaching. Because if you're in the kingdom, and you are, if you're born again, by the way, you're in a kingdom whether you're born again or not. You're, let me say that again. <laughs> you're in a kingdom. You're in a kingdom whether you're born again or not, whether you're a child of God or not. You're in a kingdom. I always get tickled. We used to... Uh, when I first got born again, a, a good friend of mine and I, we, we'd go out on the streets and start witnessing and soul winning. And uh, we would go to the malls. You know, Paul and Peter went to the marketplace and preached. Well, the marketplace these days is the mall. So we figured that's as scriptural as we can get. So we went to the mall and start witnessing to people and preaching and teaching and so forth and witnessing. But, you know, you'd, you'd reach these people, and you ever witness to somebody and they've got an excuse? <laughs> they usually do. And, you know, somebody said, well, you know, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe in that stuff. You people are weird. Well, then they would say, well, but I'm not a Satanist either. So they thought they were in a third category. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not this, I'm not A, I'm not B, so I must be C. They thought there was a separate category for them. You know, they would have the excuse like, you know, 
whoever dies with the most toys wins. You ever heard of that expression? And they said, well, you know, when I get down, if I go to hell, I get down there, I'll have a lot of friends down there. You won't have a single friend. Not a one. Anyway, leave that alone for a while. Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went about preaching the kingdom. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. See, I have a mix of electronic and old school here. Just as a point of reference, old school is not bad school. I'm an analog guy living in a digital world. <laughs> Verse 35, chapter 9. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Well, we can get a clue here about part of what the kingdom's all about. You notice that he said he went about teaching and preaching and healing. Teaching and preaching and healing. Teaching and preaching and healing. Healing is part of the kingdom. I didn't say that. He did. Hallelujah. Matthew 6.33. Somebody shut the clock off back there. Hallelujah. When we were overseas and we'd have meetings over there in Eastern Europe, those people just wouldn't quit. After two or three hours, then they get into the message. <laughs> 633, Jesus is speaking again. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And just before that, he was talking about clothing and all your physical needs being met. Yes. He said, don't worry about those physical needs. Seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Maybe our problem has been we've been trying to seek the things, and we haven't been seeking the kingdom and all that our citizenship in the kingdom has brought to us. Seek ye first the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom. You're in a kingdom right now. He sent his disciples to preach the kingdom. Luke chapter 9. Now, some of you are looking strange. I didn't know I was in a kingdom. Yeah, you are. And that's a good thing. I said, that's a good thing. In Luke chapter 9, I've lost Luke chapter 9. There it is. Let's start at verse 1, and then we'll get to the verse that I really want to zoom in on a little bit. In verse 1 of chapter 9, Luke, he said, Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. It says he called the twelve and gave them. What Jesus did there, see, the kingdom had not yet come at that time. Jumping ahead a little bit. The kingdom came when Jesus was raised from the dead. Up until then, he was working on a promissory note of what would happen when he was raised from the dead. And he took the anointing that he had on him in his earthly ministry, and he took a portion of that and put it on them. And he said, now go out. Now what did he tell them to do? In Luke uh, 
verse 2. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Preach the kingdom, heal the sick. Preach the kingdom, heal the sick. When you go out and share the gospel with people, you're sharing the kingdom. And you ought to pray for the sick. That didn't go over very well. I said, you ought to pray for the sick. Oh, but somebody said, well, see, this was the 12, the 12 apostles. I'm not an apostle. Okay, I'm glad you said that. In Luke chapter 10, just a page or two over, or a swipe or two over. In Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And after these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself would come. Now he's sending out the 70. So that must mean that it's beyond just the 12 apostles. It's for other folks as well. Other disciples as well. All right? So he sent them out, and he sent them out to do the same thing. Now look over in verse 9 of that same chapter. And heal the sick that are therein, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near unto you. Heal the sick. You see a pattern here? Preach the kingdom, heal the sick. Preach the kingdom, heal the sick. Well, you, it's not just limited to healing the sick. It's also preach the kingdom and have your needs met. Preach the kingdom and have the fruit of the Spirit. Preach the kingdom and be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Preach the kingdom and have authority. Preach the kingdom and have righteousness. All those things that came with the kingdom, we're supposed to preach that because we are that. Amen. What else did he talk about? Matthew chapter 6. Trying to build a foundation here. You know, I teach more than preach, but every once in a while I get into preaching, which is a little bit of a mix of both. I remember one time I was in Poland and I had an opportunity to minister in a men's prison and we went into this prison with my interpreter and he was a, one of the interpreters from the Bible school we worked in and he happened to be Polish and so we had a break and we went up into Poland and I went into this men's prison and he went with me and we had an opportunity to minister to some men and we got into this big room and it was totally bare, no furniture or anything at all and they herded a bunch of prisoners into this room and they were standing there and they looked scared well if I was in that prison I'd be scared too it was pretty rough but I preached I didn't teach I didn't preach I preached and my, the interpreter said afterwards he said I didn't know you could preach <laughs> and I said I didn't know either but when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you just yield to him, it's amazing what kind of things you could do. And so after the message, I gave an invitation for these men to be born again. I said, have them raise their hands if they want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And all of them raised their hand. And my, my lightning fast brain said, nah, they didn't get it. <laughs> well, so I said, ask them again. And well, I shared the message briefly again. And I said, give the invitation again. 
They all raised their hand. Not a one of them failed to raise their hand, and they got born again. Well, see, when you're preaching or teaching under the anointing, things happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Preaching is good, but teaching is good too. Amen. So um, in Matthew chapter 6, did I tell you to turn there? Are you there? Matthew chapter 6. Now, you ever heard, or maybe you, as a child you were raised in a, a local church perhaps, and you heard something that was called the Lord's Prayer? Anybody ever heard that? Well, Matthew chapter 6 is talking about what we've come to call the Lord's Prayer. I bet you some of you could recite it right now. If you can, why don't you recite it with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Keep going. Amen. You've been reading your Bibles. But I want you to notice something here. It says, thy kingdom come. That was a prayer. He said, pray that the kingdom would come. Yes. Now, see, the kingdom, as I mentioned a moment ago, the kingdom had not yet come because the king had not been inaugurated after he was raised from the dead. So he was telling them, and by the way, I hope this isn't going to be too difficult for some people to get hold of, but most of the gospel is Old Testament. The gospel in terms of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The, the new covenant that we're in now, the kingdom that we're in now, did not occur until Jesus was raised from the dead. So anything prior to that is Old Testament. So you have to look sometimes in the gospel accounts and realize that that may or may not apply to us today, depending upon what the context is. Amen. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. And so... When he told them to pray this prayer, he was telling them to pray it because the kingdom had not yet come. So pray for it that it would come. Well, I've got good news for you. The kingdom has come. And so if the kingdom has come, we're in the kingdom. And so we don't have to pray this prayer exactly the same way anymore. Maybe we ought to modify it slightly without changing the meaning and pray it along these lines. Our Father, which art in heaven, your name is holy. <laughs> your name is holy. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom has come. Thy will is being done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that you meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, all of the stuff that they were praying there for it to happen on this side of the resurrection, it's already happened. It's already been given. It already belongs to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 3. I'm glad the lights are so bright that way I don't see the clock. Hallelujah. John chapter 3. Is that in the Bible somewhere? John chapter 3.
Now, many of you are probably familiar with these verses in John chapter 3, of course, the one that we all know so well. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and so forth. We all know that. But let's look at uh, some other verses here. I am heading somewhere. I'm hoping I'm going to get there. Hallelujah. John chapter 3. Now, you remember the story for the sake of time. This man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus, and in the first couple verses, he said, We know you're a teacher, talking to Jesus. He said, Come from God, for no man can do these miracles except that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus responded to that in a kind of strange way. Can I give you a hint here? When it looks like Jesus didn't answer the question that was being addressed, he actually did. Well, go on. <laughs> Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. You ever try witnessing to people about the, the Lord, and it seems like they just don't see it? You're right, they don't see it. Unless God give them the revelation of it. But he said, if you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom. Hallelujah. Jumping down to verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now that tells us something right there. How do you get into the kingdom? You've got to be born of water, and you've got to be born of spirit. Now, to be born of water is not water baptism. Water baptism can't save you. If you baptize a whole bunch of people, but don't get them spiritually reborn, all you've got, to, all you've got is a bunch of really clean sinners. Amen. Sometimes I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> but anyway, to be born of water is to have a natural birth into this world. You know, they talk about women who are giving birth, and right before they give birth, you know, the, the water is broken and all that sort of thing. He's talking about you have to be born naturally, and you also have to be born spiritually. Just because you're born naturally into this world does not mean you're in the kingdom of God. You have to know, not, not only be born naturally, but you also must be born of the Spirit. Jesus said you must be born again. You must be born again. That's how you get into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The new birth is required for entrance into the kingdom. And the new birth is nothing more than receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. Remember, pastors talked so many times about Roman, Romans chapter 10. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and so forth. Let me pause here and kind of take a small side trip. There's three kinds of death that we need to understand. You can't understand spiritual life until you understand spiritual death. Because you were dead, but now you're alive. Amen. There's three kinds of death that the Bible talks about. Now, I'm not trying to be depressing here, but you need to understand these things. The three kinds of death are physical death, 
Anybody know anything at all about that? We've all had perhaps loved ones pass on. We're familiar with that. But then there's spiritual death. What is spiritual death? Spiritual death is being cut off from the life of God. It doesn't mean you're not living. It means you're separated from the life and love of God. Before we were born again, we were spiritually dead, separated from God. Turn over, this is not in the order that I wanted to do this, but we'll go that way anyway. Turn over to uh, Ephesians. Is it all right if I teach a little? Because I think teaching helps us as much as anything, and maybe more so. Ephesians chapter 2, are you there? Now, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, which are people who are born again. They're Christians. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 2, And you hath he quickened, now that's King James, but it basically says, And you he has made alive, who he has made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead. You were spiritually dead. Not physically dead, but spiritually dead. You were cut off from the life of God. Now, let's look at another verse. Verse 5. Same chapter. Even when we were dead in sins, he hath made us alive together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. By grace are ye saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But he said you were dead. You were dead. You were spiritually dead. There was no life in you. Sad story. Chapter 2 and verse, uh, let's see here. 12. Verse 12, chapter 2. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's what you were. Hallelujah. Well, if that what you were and now you're in the kingdom and you have life in you, that ought to be reason for shouting and dancing and rejoicing, seems to me. But it says, having no hope and without God in the world. And then verse 13 says, but now, but now in Christ Jesus, Ye who are sometimes far off are made near or nigh by the blood of Christ. But now, do a search in your electronic Bibles and look up the phrase, but God, or but now. You'll find a bunch of contrasts there. They'll, they'll tell you a bad thing, and then they'll say, but God. Tell you a bad thing, which you were, and say, but him, but who, in him, in whom. You, so you start reading some of that stuff and you see the contrast. You are no longer spiritually dead. You're spiritually alive. You're hooked up with God again. Hallelujah. Now, again, I get kind of tickled in a sad way when I talk to people and people say, well, you know, I'm not one of them weird Christians, but I'm not a Satanist or a, or a devil worshiper. I'm in a third category. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're in one kingdom or another. Everybody that's born into this world is in a kingdom. Everybody is in a kingdom. Which kingdom are you in? 
which kingdom are you in? Do you know? Well, somebody said, well, I'm ignorant of the things of the kingdom. Doesn't matter. You're in one kingdom or the other. I suggest, I would recommend that you get into the right one. And the, right, the way you get into the right kingdom is by receiving Jesus in his substitutionary sacrifice for you. Receive him as Lord. Somebody said, well, if he's already taken care of all the sin in the world forever and ever, then I don't have to do a thing. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I said, yes, you do. <laughs> See, you're dead in trespasses and sins until you receive the finished work that he accomplished. See, you're in a kingdom, and you have a Lord, whichever kingdom you're in. You have a king over the kingdom that you're in. If you're not born again, you're in the kingdom of darkness, and you have a king and a Lord. Guess who that is? Come on now, you can speak up. Who is that? The devil, Satan. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he is your Lord, whether you know it or whether you don't. And he's perfectly content to keep you ignorant. Because your ignorance keeps you in his kingdom. And he can do with you what you will, what he wills. Amen. So I would suggest, just saying, I would suggest you change kingdoms. You get into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Turn over to, uh, well, we're already there. Turn over to that same chapter in Ephesians, verse 19. Talking about being born again. Oh, and by the way, I didn't tell you the third death. There's physical death. There's spiritual death, which is separation from the life of God. And then there's eternal death. There is an eternal death. Now, you can be spiritually dead in this world, walking around and so forth, don't know God, strangers from the covenants of promise and so forth, but you have an opportunity at any instant in time of receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, taking what he has given you and transforming kingdoms into the kingdom of light. But if you don't do that, you know, the... Bible talks about the gospel. The gospel is the good news. Sometimes you have to tell people the bad news so that they'll appreciate the good news. Try that again. Sometimes you have to tell people the bad news so that they will appreciate and act upon the good news. And the bad news is <laughs> you're dead in trespasses and sins if you're not born again. And you're a split second away from eternal death. Because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. You know, all this COVID stuff and so forth that's going on. Well, fully on the COVID, there's been worse things than that over the generations. Okay? But the point being is, is that there is an eternal death where you step out of this earthly body and you go to your permanent home. Your permanent home is dependent, the location of your permanent home is dependent upon who's, who you are serving. Your final destination, if, it, if you will, 
is dependent upon the Lord that you serve. If you're not serving the Lord Jesus, then your permanent home is not a good place. We talked about this somewhat in Grounded the other day about the rich man and Lazarus. Remember that story? It says the rich man died and went to hell. Eternal death. Remember, he, he started bargaining with Abraham. Remember, he said, well, you know, send my brothers. Send my brothers back uh, and send, send Lazarus and give me a drink of water. <laughs> and then talk to my brothers so that they don't come to this place of torment. And God, Abraham, God speaking through Abraham said, it's not possible for anybody to go from where I am to where you are or vice versa. There's a great chasm or gulf between us and you can't change locations. Is that bad news? Yeah, it's bad news. But he didn't have to go there is the whole story. Somebody said, well, you know, rich people go to hell. No. If that's true, then Solomon must be there. You know, Solomon was so rich that silver wasn't counted as valuable and they just piled it up in dunes in the city streets. I think he was doing rather well. No, the rich man didn't go to hell because he is rich. He went to hell because he didn't know God. And Lazarus, the beggar, didn't go to paradise because he was a beggar. He went to paradise because he knew God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. My, my, my. My, my, my. Let's turn over to, I, I want another little side trip here. Back over to John chapter 3. I think this will help you. John chapter 3. That's in the New Testament, isn't it? But it's still Old Testament. I think this will help you, give you some perspective about kingdom things and what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead. Now in verse 16, you know this verse. If you don't know this verse from your Bible, you probably saw it in the football stadium. You know, people raise signs, John 3.16. Yes. <clears throat> Jesus is speaking here and he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that who's the only begotten son? Jesus, I think you know that. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Well, he sent him into this world. Now, Jesus is called the only begotten son of God, right? He is no longer... This will wake you up if you're not already asleep. He is no longer called the only begotten Son of God. From the time that Jesus was raised from the dead, he is no longer the only begotten Son of God. The Bible says he's called now the first begotten of many brethren, the firstborn of many brethren, the first begotten. If he's a first begotten, then there's got to be a second begotten, and there's got to be a third begotten. 
and there's got to be a fourth begotten. And my number's in there somewhere. Is yours in there somewhere? See, Jesus so identifies with you that he is called in one place the captain of our salvation because he led the way. When Jesus died on the cross, you remember the story? He's on the cross. He knew in, you know, in the garden before he went to the cross, remember he was praying and it says that he sweat like great drops of blood because of what he knew was about to happen. See, Jesus, the devil didn't gain the victory over Jesus. Jesus went to the cross on his own free will because he loves us so much. He went to the cross voluntarily, but he's still a man. And he was anticipating not only the physical punishment that the cross would bear. I'm sure everybody in those days knew exactly what the crucifixion would be like. But it was more than just a physical pain and torment on the cross. Remember he said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's not like he was asking a question, God, have you forsaken me? No, he was quoting scripture from the Old Testament. He was quoting the scriptures that were showing the fulfillment of those scriptures in the very act of crucifixion. And so he was saying, my God, my God, you have forsaken me. In other words, like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he who knew no sin was made to be sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who was sinless became sin with our sin. And because he was made sin with our sin, when he died, he, or he was on the cross, he was separated from God. God who had always been with him, always been with him. Even in his earthly ministry, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and did all those things that we read about and we get so excited about. But on the cross, God backed up. He backed up and backed away. And now Jesus, who had never known sin, was made to be sin for the entire world forever and ever. And where do you think a person who's made to be sin would go? You think he went into that place of comfort that Lazarus was in? No, he went to the place of torment where the rich man was. See, if he didn't go to the place of torment, you would have to. And that place of torment is not physical torment. It's spiritual torment, spiritual separation. You know, he said, the rich man said, I'm tormented in these flames. Sometimes we think it's a physical body and a physical flame, but it's not. It's some kind of a spiritual flame and a spiritual torment that probably words can't describe. And Jesus went there. Somebody said, well, I don't believe Jesus went to hell. Well, in the New Testament, it says Jesus was loosed from the pains of death. Try that again. He was loosed from the pains of death. Were there pains in that area of comfort? No. Where were the pains? In the area of torment. So when Jesus was raised from the dead... It wasn't a fight. Sometimes people say, well, you know, Jesus was raised from the dead and there was war in the spirit realm and Satan was defeated and Jesus broke off all the chains and so forth. Nah, it wasn't a fight at all. 
because Jesus said, I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to take it up again. Jesus was in control in that entire situation. Now, the devil didn't know that. He thought he'd won. When Jesus ran into the devil and the devil ran into Jesus, Jesus ate his lunch every single time. And finally, when Jesus went to the cross, the devil must have said, I got him. I got him. Finally, I got him. But no, he was raised on the third day. And when he was raised on the third day, he turned around and gave the Holy Ghost to everybody who would believe. When Jesus walked the earth, he was the only man filled with the Holy Ghost. But after the resurrection, and he sent the Holy Spirit, now there's a bunch of little Jesuses walking around, filled with that same Holy Ghost. On the day of Pentecost, there was 120 in that upper room. It says, and suddenly <laughs> there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the place where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat on each one of them. And it says they all began, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Well, right after Jesus was raised from the dead, now there's 120 of us just like him. And not too long after that, Peter preached the sermon and got another 3,000 born again filled with the Holy Ghost. Now there's 3,120 Jesuses walking the earth. And not after, long after that, there was 5,000 got born again. So in a few short intervals of time, 8,120 believers filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, healing everywhere. Jesus sent the 12 and the 70 out and said, preach the kingdom and heal the sick. Now there's 8,120 of them preaching the kingdom and healing the sick. What are you doing? Have you got Jesus? Have you got the Holy Ghost? Have you got the name of Jesus? We sang a song not too long ago, a few minutes ago, about the name of Jesus. How big his name is. How powerful his name is. You know why his name is big and it's powerful? Because he's king over the kingdom. He's Lord over the kingdom. And I have some good news for you. The Bible says in another place, it says, He has made unto us kings and priests unto our God. He, Jesus, has made us kings and priests. You ever heard that phrase that says, He's king of kings and lord of lords? Who are the kings that he's king over? You are. Who are the lords he's lord over? You are. You're a king. You're a lord. You're in a kingdom. You're royalty. Still quiet in this place. I said, you're a king. You've been made a king. You're a lord. You're royalty. The devil is flat scared of you. Unless he can talk you out of acting on what you already are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well... I could say it in tongues, but you are a child of the kingdom. You're a child of the kingdom. Start acting like it. Start acting like it. Don't be a weak-wristed, namby-pamby believer. 
That's what the world has seen in the Christian church far too long. And that's why they don't want to be part of it. You want to reach men with the gospel? Preach a man's gospel. I like what John G. Lake said. A strong man's gospel. Preach a strong man's gospel, not a weak man's gospel. Preach a gospel that has some fire to it, has some hair on it, so to speak. Preach the gospel as the word says that it is and not because of some religious tradition. Religion will hurt you. The gospel will give you victory. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is the first begotten of the dead, the firstborn of many brethren. Your number is in there somewhere. Jesus so identified with you that when he died on the cross, you died on the cross. When he went to hell, you went to hell. When he was raised from the dead, you were raised from the dead. When he was seated at the right hand of the Father, you were seated at the right hand of the Father. When he took over the kingdom, he made you a king. He made you royalty. He made you a prince or a princess before God. And that's what you are, whether you believe it or not. And the devil is... <laughs> yeah, that too. The devil has tried to keep the church weak, empty, lifeless, and so forth and given us religious tradition and depression and discouragement and all that kind of trash that he, he uses so well to keep you from doing and having, actually you already have it, keep you from doing and acting upon what God has already given you. There is not a person in this room or a person that might be watching online who is born again, who doesn't have authority, righteousness, and power in the kingdom. You are that. I speak to the men right now. Start taking spiritual authority over your household. Don't let your wife be the head of the household. Now, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but come on. Start taking authority. Take your rightful place. Take your rightful place as the head of the household. Preach the gospel to your, to your family. Preach the gospel to your kids. Preach the gospel, the strong man's gospel. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seems like there's something that needs to be done here, but. Hallelujah. Well, I'm not going to rush. Is that all right? Hallelujah. I don't know how to stop, so I just unhook. Is that all right? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. And there will be times where it seems like the very atmosphere is infused with heaven. There will be times where the fragrances of heaven come into the natural realm. And there will be times where you're, you will hear heavenly music. And there will be times where the presence of God comes in with such greatness 
and such manifestation that you can't even stand or even sit, but you'll fall on your face before the majesty and the kingship and the lordship of the Most High. And the greater one will manifest himself in new ways and different ways and ways we haven't seen before. And it'll be good. And many will come into the kingdom of God. Many will be healed and said, I never knew it could be like this. I never knew it could be so wonderful. I never knew it could be so marvelous. And there will be great rejoicing. And people will say, God has been in this place today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Like somebody said one time, the jail door, the prison door is open. What are you still doing inside? Hallelujah. Come out of that jail. Come out of that prison. Come out of that cage. Soar like the eagle you've been called to be. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor T, would you mind coming up and closing? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you so much, my brother. <laughs> Amen. Appreciate you being obedient to the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. You cannot hear a message like this and not give an opportunity. It's, 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 it's so important that we do, that we give people an opportunity. Uh, so whether you're sitting here, it's, it's incorrect for us to assume that everybody that's in the church is born again. And especially those that are watching online. There's more people watching church services online than any other time right now. as Keith brought out so well in the message, they are two kingdoms. It's no need to try to figure out if you're in the right kingdom, the kingdom of God. You can have confirmation today. And uh, as many of us do have it, I want to extend that opportunity to you. So I'm going to ask if everyone would stand here and uh, this is what it's about. <laughs> the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to ask all of us to repeat after me. And those that are watching online, you're watching, you're saying, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. You need to be sure why you can still hear me right now. Hallelujah. And it's so simple. It's amazing how simple our Father God made it through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. And we're going to all say it together. And as the Word of God says, the Word of God says, not T, not Keith, anyone else, that if you believe in your heart and you have faith to accept Jesus, he's, he's extended that to you, and confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, you shall be saved. In other words, you shall become a part of the kingdom. So I'm going to ask everyone here 
to repeat after me and those that do not know they're in the kingdom believe in your heart that's all and confess with your mouth heavenly father, heavenly father. I believe in my heart I confess with my mouth, Jesus as Lord. Jesus, I receive you into my life. Thank you for giving me right now eternal life. I turn away from the kingdom of darkness. I am now in the kingdom of light. With you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, if you confess him like you did, he will not turn you around. He will not kick you away. Just that simple. Praise the Lord. That's what it's all about. Amen. This gospel, this kingdom. And once you're born again, walking like he said, acting like and behaving like you are a king. In a kingdom, because that's what you are. That's who you be. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just like how First First Peter two twenty four says, "By His stripes you were healed." All that come, the salvation that comes. If you were, then you are. If you are, then you is. <laughs> you is well. You is whole. You is born again. You is going to heaven. Praise the Lord. You is got the victory. I know it doesn't sound right, but it feels good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. This kingdom is amazing. Praise the Lord. It is amazing. So as you can uh, go on about your, your day and your week, rejoice in the Lord. Be thankful that you're a part of the kingdom and, and share this kingdom, this gospel, this good news with somebody else. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, Karen. Before we dismiss, I really do feel a strong urge. If you have got sickness that is trying to deceive you, and I purposefully put it that way, if you have symptoms in your body or if you have fear, and I am literally going to call it out, if fear is trying to deceive you, don't leave without getting prayed for here today. We have prayer team ministers that will pray with you, that will stand with you, that will agree with you and the gospel, the word. We're not going to agree with your symptoms. We're not going to agree with the pity party or the fear or the anxiety. We're going to agree with what God says. We're going to confess what he says. This gospel is stronger than coronavirus. It is stronger than cancer. It is stronger than diabetes. I don't know what one doctor told you. Hannah. Raise your hand, Hannah. Ladies and gentlemen, speak to this young lady. She has got a testimony. The doctor said one thing, and she said, I'm not going to believe that. I'm going to believe what God said. Amen. And there she is. She's a testimony, and Girl, I'm going to get a mic in your, your hand sometime. Not today. Not today. One day. One day. Her mom and dad get to share the testimony. But Hannah, you got to... I'm going to call that out. You standing is proof. How many of you need a miracle 
so that you can be a witness. In other words, you're prepared to say, God, use me. I'm broken. I can't do this by myself, but I'm prepared to be your testimony. Are you prepared to be his testimony? Are you prepared to get you out of the way and let God use your story? Let him show himself strong through your weakness. That is making him Lord. When I say he's Lord, I don't get an opinion anymore. I may have one, but I have to lay it down just like Jesus had to lay it down. Don't leave today with an opinion or a weight because that is not what God has paid for. He has bought you with a price, the ultimate price. He picked you from the foundation of the world and you are a prince, a princess, a king. Keith doesn't know this because I haven't shared what I'm preaching on next week, but he kind of, he kind of set the tone. So thank you, Keith. If you want to know more about who you are, spend this week asking God to take you on an adventure in the Bible. Find out who he says you are and then come back and we'll go over it together. I'll go through my notes and you go through what God's already revealed to you. Because I promise you, when you see it and you hear it over and over again, it edifies you. It builds you up. We're talking about kingdom builders. You are the building block. You are the building block. You are who God uses to build the kingdom. And we have a promise that as his church, the gates of hell will not prevail against us. That means we're not huddling, hunkering down. We are going after it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's the church that we're going to be. We're not going to be the whimpering, soft, soggy, like you said. We're going to be, sorry girls, we can also be manly. We can also represent the king. We can be warrior princesses. I've got a friend who calls herself the warrior princess. That is who God has made us to be. He's given us different gifts. Your gift's not the same as my gift. We need both or all hundred. So be who God says you are and walk in his kingdom. Amen. Don't leave today without coming up if you need prayer, agreement with somebody who's going to tell you this is what God says. You got a word to share, sir? You're responding. Praise God. Come on up if you're ready. If you're, if you're not going to stay and be prayed for, go out and preach the gospel. Go out and love somebody. Go out and be who God says you are. Amen? You're dismissed. We'll see you guys Wednesday for Overflow, Saturday for Grounded, and Sunday again for church. Praise God.